Amen. Well, good morning. I want to add my welcome to uh, some of you who are new here today. I've met a few new folks today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Alex. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're thrilled for joining us here for the first time. Uh, what we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other. So together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. It's a great week to join us. This is week one of a brand new series called Age to Age, and in this series we're going to tackle two different problems. The first problem we're going to tackle is uh, what my Old Testament professor said the very first day of class. She stood in front of us, all of us there taking a seminary class. It was an Old Testament overview. And what she said to us is, your understanding of the Old Testament is a jumbled up, mixed up closet. You got no idea how it all fits together, right? Like, if you're not a church person, Bible person, you have maybe a few stories like David and Goliath, maybe Ten Commandments. But if you're a church person, you got a whole bunch of Old Testament stories that you kind of know. You got Jonah and the big fish, maybe uh, uh, parting the Red Sea. But you have no idea, none of us have, like, how these all fit together in the timeline of Israel. Where is it all? What happens when? And how does it all kind of fit together? And it's not helped at all by the fact that the Old Testament is not arranged in chronological order. There's like these books kind of thrown together. And it's like, how does all all this fit together. So goal number one of the series is to organize your Old Testament closet. Bring order out of the chaos so you can know kind of where things fit together, how things fit together. Some of you love an organized closet. This is like your love language. You're like, yes, order. Some of you would rather watch game show reruns than organize the closet. And I totally get that. But here's why, here's why I want you to come even if you'd rather watch game show reruns than be here uh, organizing the Old Testament closet. As far as we know, every New Testament writer was thoroughly Jewish and loved the Old Testament. Like all of them. They loved it, right? And when they write the story of Jesus, particularly the gospel writers, they are writing the story of Jesus as a fulfillment of all the Old Testament for thousands and thousands of years. You're never going to understand Jesus until you understand the Old Testament. Like there's so much going on that the gospel writers are writing about Jesus. And then... When the church gets started, when the Holy Spirit falls and the church gets started and this whole new thing happens, the church is also the fulfillment of promises that were thousands and thousands of years earlier that we're going to look at today that Ernie just read to us. The only way that we understand what we're doing here as a church is if we understand the larger promises that the church is both the fulfillment of and also participating in to sort of distribute and bring to the earth as best we possibly can. What if you and I are here worshiping in 2023 as a result of promises that were made thousands and thousands of years ago that God is fulfilling right here in Chatham County, right here at Chatham Community Church? Now, we're going to spend a lot of time, obviously, talking about the nation of Israel and the history of Israel. So uh, we can't do that without acknowledging the horrors of the last couple of weeks, right? All that's gone on. It's been just, you've seen it on the news, we've watched it. It's been heartbreaking to watch it. And so... Uh, particularly in the Psalms, there's a regular call to pray for the peace of Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so this morning, as Jesus followers, we lift our voices in praying for the peace of Israel, the peace of, of Jerusalem, and we ask that the Lord's kingdom would come and that deliverance would come and end the violence and end to all the brokenness that's kind of at, in play and at work. And uh, we cry out as a church, asking for the peace of Israel and for the whole Middle East. So what's happening right now in Israel is partly the result of what we're going to look at for in the Old Testament. Like, these, these conflicts have been going on literally since, like, page about 50 of the Old Testament. So these things are going to be playing out. We're going to explain how these things fit together as we go through our Old Testament overview. Now, the second goal of this whole series is this, that what we want to do is we want to deal with the angry Old Testament God vibe. Right? Some of us have this, this impression of Old Testament of God, angry, New Testament God, nice. 
And what we want to do is we want to, and there's things in the Old Testament that are hard, absolutely, right? There's, 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 it's, it's complicated. But what we want to do is we want to sort of replace that picture of the angry Old Testament God with a God who is faithful from age to age. The same God that Jesus shows us in the New Testament shows up in the Old Testament over and over again. And here's why this is so important. The very first lie that we have recorded in the Bible was when the serpent said to Eve, you can't trust God to be good to you. That's the first lie. She believed it, and the result is all the mess you see all around us. As long as you believe the God of the Old Testament is angry at the world or at you, you're going to be vulnerable to the exact same lie with the exact same consequence every time you believe it. What we want to do as we do this overview of the Old Testament is bring us to the good news. The God that Jesus shows us in the New Testament is the same God that we see in the Old Testament. He has been faithful from age to age to promises he has made, and he'll be faithful to you too. Goal number one, organize your Old Testament closet. Goal number two, to help us to have a truer picture, a better picture of the God of the New Testament and the Old Testament, how they fit together. And to help us do that, you've got a little uh, bookmark on your seat. This is a, 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 a graphic that we are stealing, borrowing from our good friends at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, the campus ministry that Jaime and I both worked for. And this is an overview of all the Old Testament, right? All of Israel's history in the Old Testament. Across the bottom, you see some like particular markers. And we're going to walk through and use this. If you're online, watching online, you can click on the show more section. There's a link to this. You can print it out at home. And across the top, there's space. And what we're going to do across the top is every week, we're going to do our best to fill in what, what scripture, what books of the Bible go in which section of the Bible, right? What, what's happening? Was it being written? What's happening? When is First Kings written? When is like Nahum written? What, what's happening? So we're going to invite you. We, we can't list all the Bible, all the Old Testament, but we're going to help you put all the books, of, most of the books of the Old Testament in the right spot in Israel's history so you understand what's going on, right? So it starts with Abram's family, and that's where we're going to start today, the passage that Ernie just read, and if you want to write it in across the top right there, Genesis, nice and easy today. We're starting in Genesis, that's where the whole thing starts. So if you want to track along, bring this with you, uh, we invite you to do that as a way to kind of learn and understand how the Old Testament fits together. So we're here in week one, we are here in Genesis, and if you're brand new to the Bible, brand new to church, we're so glad you're here. Genesis one, God creates everything. It's good, it's good. He makes human beings. We are very good. And then Genesis 3, sin enters the picture. And then from Genesis 3 to Genesis 12, you've got a bunch of restarts all throughout those like nine chapters of the Bible. Noah and the flood, one of the most famous restarts, right? So that's like a, a pretty famous kind of restart. But the, the whole thing's a mess, right? Multiple, multiple messes. And God keeps kind of like scattering things and redoing things. And in Genesis chapter 12, you get the last restart. In Genesis 12, you get God's answer to the mess that is humanity. That is what's happened now that sin has entered the world. In Genesis 12, God speaks some promises to a young man named Abraham. He's only 75 years old. He's just getting started. 75 years old. God comes to him and he speaks these words. Let me reread the passage, that, the, a chunk of the passage that Ernie just read for us. Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country to your people. I mean, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was just 75 years old. 
when he set out from Haran. All right, so let's talk about vacation personalities, shall we? Vacation personalities, that's a spectrum. Some of you on the vacation personality spectrum love to plan your vacation. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. You know who you're going to see, where you're going to stay. You've planned excursions. You've got it all mapped out. If you're, if you're a Disney file, you have run algorithms to know which ride to go at which time so that you don't melt in the Orlando heat beyond what's necessary, right? Some of you love to plan vacations. How many of you are like scrupulous planners when it comes to vacations? You're like, yeah, all mapped out. I see those hands. I see you. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. Others of you, you're a little more laid back. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. We'll just think, right? We'll go to the city. We'll go check this out. We'll see what happens. We'll play it out, right? Now, listen, there's no right or wrong unless you're married to someone who's the opposite of you, in which case they are totally wrong. I don't know what kind of vacation planner Abram would have been, but we know that he gets no script from God. All he gets is go. I'm not telling you where you're going. I'm not telling you how you're doing it. I'm not telling you the stops along the way. I'm not telling you, like, which hotel you're going to hit along the way. We're not talking about which excursion you're going to hit when you get to the Degev. You're just going to go, and I'm going to lead you step by step along the way. 75 years old, pack up everything at a time when people stayed at the same place for generations. People didn't leave for jobs. People stayed and stayed and stayed for generations. They cared for their aging parents. They also had their children caring for them. Go. And some of you who like to map out and plan out vacations, you're getting a little twitchy right about now. That would have driven you a little bit crazy. But I want to pause here and just name what I think is a reality that you see throughout the scriptures and throughout church history. Our participation in God's work of redemption often starts with a call to leave the familiar. And to step out into, as Elsa once famously sang, into the unknown. Listen, nothing wrong with where Abram is. Like, he's got a, he's got a good family. He's serving, like... His people, he's actually pretty wealthy. You see that later in the passage. Like he's actually got, he's done really, really well for himself. God just has something better for him. And that call into the unknown comes to all of us. Anytime you are trusting the Lord for the first time, when you come to faith in Jesus, you have no idea what Jesus has for you. And some of you are at a place right now, we, we talked about uh, baptism earlier during the announcements. Some of you are at a place right now where it's time to go public with your faith and say, you know what, I'm putting a flag in the sand. I'm saying, I'm giving my life over to the Lord. And I'm telling you, you have no idea what Jesus might do with you on the other side of it. And that's part of the gift, part of the joy, and part of the struggle of releasing control, isn't it? It's so hard. But it's not just the first time you come to faith, right? Throughout the, throughout the course of our lives, if we're following Jesus in an ongoing way, there's going to be regular calls to release things, to try new things, to step into new things. The Lord's going to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, that little pet sin that you have, that little thing that you do, it's time to put that away. It's time to bring that to the light. It's time to repent. Move on. It's time to repair that relationship. It's time to have that hard conversation. Sometimes throughout the course of sort of history, God's tapped on the shoulder and said, I want you to go somewhere crazy. I want you to step into this impossible situation. I want you to try to solve this really difficult problem. I want you to start a new nonprofit. I want you to go to seminary. I want you to go on the mission field. I want to call you to church work. Throughout history, God has tapped people on the shoulder and said, I want you to step out into something that you have no idea where it's going to land or where it's going to lead you. You just need to take that first step. My friends, are any of you at a place where God's tapping you on the shoulder? Any of you at a place where, man, there's this problem in the world or this part of the world that I can't let go of? There's a 
a, a burden, a nagging that I'm supposed to take a step out. This isn't for everybody at all times, but throughout history, people have had this sense of, I was supposed to do something. I don't even know where it's going to lead. I don't even understand why I'm going there. I just feel like God's calling me to do something different. Our participation in God's work of redemption regularly starts with a call to step out, to leave what's familiar, and to go into the unknown. That call comes to Abram, 75 years old, to pack up everything and leave. And that's a burden. I mean, that's a challenge. But I want to look back at that set of promises again. Here's the question. As Abram leaves, here's the question. Who is the primary actor here? God is. Right? Abram does have to leave. But God is still the primary actor. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. This is God speaking, right? I will make your name great, and I will make sure that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. We're going to come back to that in a minute. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's going to make sure that this is exactly what happens. My friends, this is God's great plan to redeem everything. That through Abram, then his name gets changed to Abraham, and through his family, he is going to make sure that all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through him and through his family. This is God's ultimate goal for all the nations and all people forever and ever. Let's call this the APP, APB covenant. Covenant is like Promise, but stronger. All people's blessed covenant. The goal of God from age to age and the whole plot line of the Bible is that all peoples will be blessed through Abram and Abraham and his whole family. This starts on page 12 of the Bible. It goes all the way to the very last page of the Bible. The good God of the Old Testament starts and makes a promise that he's going to keep even as his people struggle, even as his people aren't faithful. God will be faithful to this promise that all peoples are going to be blessed one way or the other through Abram and through Abram's family. God wants to bless all people. The good news about that is this. You have never met a person that God doesn't want to bless. Never met a person God doesn't want to bless. That annoying neighbor, God wants to bless them. The person in your family you haven't talked to months, years, decades, God wants to bless them. If you're the annoying neighbor, God wants to bless you. You've never met anybody that God doesn't want to bless. Now, by blessing, we've got to be really specific, right? What does God want to bless us with? Well, the greatest gift anyone can give is the gift of themselves, right? God's blessing means a no to worshiping false gods. God's blessing means a no to chasing after money, status, career, fame, for our own reputation. God's no means a no to anything that exploits people or that abuses God's good gifts of any, in any sort. God's no serves as larger yes of God desiring to bless every single one of us and every single person you've ever met with himself, the goodness of God. God is in the blessing business. That is the goal of the whole Bible from page 12 all the way to the very end. It is what he's doing from age to age why are we here why are we on earth what are we doing here we're here to receive the blessing of god and then to be instruments of that blessing everywhere god sends us your workplace your neighborhood your family your retirement community golf course at your school on your sports teams if you are in christ if you've been baptized we'll talk about that a little bit if you, then you have been grafted into this promise that through you, all peoples are going to be blessed. That's God's work all throughout history. That is the good God who's faithful from age to age. Now, 
The problem is this. The world does not look like it's a place of blessing, does it? Like, God's blessing does not look like the defining characteristic, right? It's, it's messy, it's violent, all kinds of horrible stuff happening. You watch any kind of news channels, no matter which one you watch, it's all bad, right? So much mess. So here's the question. What's, the, what's happened? Why isn't God's blessing more the marker, more what permeates sort of our world? So let's talk about two blockages of God's blessing, because this is important for us. One is our own sin, and two is the world's resistance, right? A couple different things are in play as we talk about God wanting to make us conduits of his blessing. One is our own sin, like our pride, our shame, our anxiety, our fear, our vanity, our, like, our chasing after the wrong things, chasing after approval, all the diff- chasing after money, all the things, or just wanting to be left alone and do our own thing. All the things that kind of are in play that distract us from God, distract us from being a blessing from us to the world, those things block. They're like clogging our spiritual arteries. So one of the things that God's people have to do on the regular to be conduits of the all people's blessed sort of work is that we do the hard work of confession, repentance, and asking forgiveness. Not because it's like, not because you're so terrible and so bad. It's just because you're human. I hope you shower regularly. Amen. The people next to you hope you shower regularly. No one's ashamed that you have to shower regularly. It's just part of being a human. Spiritually, you need to shower regularly because you're a human. And there's going to be stuff that you say, stuff that you think. You're going to have jealous thoughts, proud thoughts, lustful thoughts, shameful thoughts. You're going to say stuff that you regret or you shouldn't have said. Listen, just do the work. Confess. Repent, God, I want, to make, I want to change, I want to move, I'm going to ask you to clean this out, clean me out, and then ask for forgiveness from God and from anyone that you've hurt. This is just what it means to be human. No one's embarrassed, you have to shower regularly. We should not be embarrassed, we have to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness regularly. It's just part of being human. Today, you go home or tonight before you go to bed, I want to invite you to take a spiritual shower. Is there anything that you need to acknowledge before the Lord, ask for forgiveness? Is there anything that you've done recently, you need to have a conversation with someone, hey, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, My, I'm, I'm, I am sorry, how can I, can we make it right in some way, can just acknowledge, own up, confess before someone else? Is there anything that you need to do that God's blessing might flow back through you again, that nothing would clog those spiritual arteries so that God's purpose to bless all people through you might be realized, might be experienced? What might that look like for you? But here's the deal, even when we are awesome, Like, even when there's not sin in us and we're doing our best to bless people, not everyone's going to receive it, right? Not everyone's going to receive your blessing. That's just the reality of it. And so at at one point, as God is speaking to Abram, he talks about this. He says, listen, whoever curses you, I will curse. Like, there's going to be people who curse you. You're going to do good things and people aren't going to receive it. They're going to curse you in any number of ways. They're going to be mean to you. They're going to be rude to you. They're going to talk about you behind your back. They're going to say mean things to your face. Or they're going to do hurtful things to you throughout our lives. People are going to curse us and hurt us. And so God says, whoever curses you, I will curse. Now, for some of us, we're like, yes, get them, God. I got a list of people I want you to curse, right? You, you, are, you are waiting for this day your whole adult life. Others of us is like, man, there's that angry Old Testament God again, right? Why has he always got to be like eager to curse people? Here's why this is good news. Here's why this is such good news. When God says, whoever, bless, whoever curses you, I'm going to curse, you know what that does? It takes you and me out of the cursing business. Because you weren't made for it. You were made to bless people, not curse people. But when people curse you, the most natural response is to curse at them back, right? 
People hurt you, you want to hurt them back. Our most natural response is to curse in response when someone causes us pain. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever known someone who's built their whole life around their pain and someone else cursing them? Have you ever known someone who built weeks, months, years, even decades cursing someone else for the pain they inflicted on them? You know what it does to their spirits, their souls, their hearts, their bodies? Look, if you build your life, even just for a few days, around cursing someone else, it totally deforms you. It turns you into something less than human. God knows that. And God also knows that people are going to curse us. And God also knows our most natural response is to curse in response. So God says, here's really good news. I'm taking you out of the cursing business. Let me handle it. Your job is to bless, not curse. I'll do the, I'll do the cursing. I'll take care of this. Because injustice has been done to some of us. Wrong has been done to some of us. And God doesn't just shrug and say, no big deal. God says, no, no, no. I'm going to deal with that. But let me deal with that. Let's get you out of that work. My friends, any of you today, any of you today struggling with someone who has cursed you? Maybe said things about you, done things. I mean, maybe from childhood. Maybe you have, like, parents and siblings or issues that are just really, really deep, really hurtful. Anyone struggling today with someone who has cursed you in any way? Peace to you. The Lord knows your pain. It matters to him. Let him take care of the cursing. Doesn't mean you don't have good boundaries. Doesn't mean you don't make wise decisions. All that stuff, right? So it's, I'm not saying that you don't sort of avoid or, or do wise things to make sure that you're healthy and safe. But at the end of the day, the one who makes all things right will be the Lord. Peace to you. My prayer is that you might be able to find your way back into the blessing business as the Lord made us for. Here's God's covenant goal. All people's blessed. That's his whole thing. God's purpose is to bless all people. His method is going to bless people through imperfect people, you and me, to other imperfect people who are going to curse us rather than bless us in response. And God says, I know it's coming. I'll tell you what, just trust me to take care of it when someone else is cursing you. I got this. I got this. I got this. So this is all messy, right? Because it's through people and people are messy. Not you. You're perfect. But everyone else is messy. And, and, so, and so, but God says, you know what, I made, this, I made this humanity, I made these people, I made you to bless each other, I want you to do what I created you to do. It's not very efficient, but it's beautiful when it works. So God ties himself to Abram and this family, he says, through your family, through you, I'm going to bless the whole wide world. And then you read the rest of the Old Testament, it doesn't go so well. Abram ends up with a big family, he has a, he has a, he has a baby, old age, but he doesn't see anything else. Nation of Israel becomes a nation, and we'll talk about that over the next few weeks. And they fumble and they stumble, and they have a hard time being this conduit of blessing for the same reason you and I have a hard time being a conduit of blessing. Two things, two things that the prophets are really, really mad about when they speak about Israel's failure to be a conduit of blessing. They say idolatry, worshiping the wrong God, worshiping false gods. Don't want anything to do with that. Do not worship the wrong God. And then he also says injustice, exploiting the poor, marginalizing people. Idolatry and injustice. And what you see politically and even in the church is, is we care about one or the other, but we don't ever care about both very well. Some of us really care about conversion and evangelism and worshiping God, and that's all good stuff. And some of us really care about helping the poor and making sure that kind of we're caring for people. And God cares about that too, but those things should never have been torn apart. They're all one and the same. Worship God. Care for the poor, the marginalized, exploited, the weak. Those are the things that the, the prophets are upset about. And they struggle and they struggle and struggle for thousands of years. And it gets all sideways. We'll talk more about that over the next few weeks. Fast forward. God still wants to be, pro to be 
faithful to this covenant from age to age. And so a couple thousand years later, when Matthew sits down to write his account of Jesus and Jesus' life, he starts with, you know what, a genealogy, yay! Has anyone ever said, yay, genealogies to the Bible? I mean, some of you are really genealogy nerds, but Bible genealogies, right? It just sounds like a lot of blather, 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 but here's what Matthew does. Matthew is the most Jewish of all four of the Gospels, and he knows that unless Jesus is fulfilling this promise, he makes no sense whatsoever. So in Matthew 1, he starts with this scintillating genealogy, and what he starts with, of course, is Abraham. Matthew 1, 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the promised one, the Messiah, son of David, Son of Abraham. And then he starts the list of names, which of course starts with Father Abraham. Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob is the father of on and on and on. Skips dozens of really hard to pronounce Old Testament names. And he lands it here in verse 17. He says this. So there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile in Babylon. 14 from the exile in Babylon to the Messiah. Here is the overview of the Old Testament. Matthew sketch that we're going to sketch out over the next few weeks. Abraham to David, who's the king of Israel at Israel's highest point. He's the most faithful king in, uh, in their history. And then you've got the exile, David to the exile, which we'll talk about too, a very dark period. And then from the exile all the way to Jesus, 14 generation. He is the anointed one. From the beginning though, at the very, very beginning, he talks about this crazy good news that God is still fulfilling his promise to Abram that through your family all peoples on earth are going to be blessed because that's a promise he made thousands of years ago to Abram and he's still committed to that promise Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise because God's going to be faithful to that promise from age to age that's the plot line driving the whole of the scriptures there is one perfect image bearer who finally comes right one perfect image bearer who finally comes and everywhere he goes he blesses people and when people curse him, he doesn't curse back. In fact, when they put him up on a cross, he doesn't curse back, right? He trusts God to do that work. He is faithful to bless over and over and over again. And then at the very end of Matthew, Matthew starts with Abraham, Father Abraham. At the very end of Matthew, we get this command from Jesus to his disciples. Matthew's the only one that records this famous command. In Matthew 28, he writes this. Jesus came to the disciples and said, after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of who? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Why all the nations? Because that was his plan to begin with. Why all the nations? Because through Abram's family, all people are going to be blessed. Now, to be clear, the disciples didn't want to go to all nations. They wanted to hang out in Israel. But God said to Abram, through this family, I'm going to bless all people. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant, and the church is the delivery device of that covenant. Declaring the good news of what God's up to. Declaring what has been done. So here it is, all people's blessed covenant. Here's the whole Bible in a few, in a few words. All people's blessed covenant, scripture uh, storyline. Abraham to Israel, Israel to Jesus, Jesus to the church. That's what we're doing here. That's why we're here. It's the promise God made to Abraham. Worked out through Israel, ups and downs, fulfilled finally in Jesus, delivered by the church. The church is the blessing delivery community. Wouldn't that be a great description of Chatham Community Church? Wouldn't it be great if people, you know what, you know what Chatham Community Church is? Chatham Community Church is a blessing delivery community. That's what we're here to do. To bring the blessing of God, the goodness of God. And Jesus really helps us to narrow down, what does that blessing look like? Baptize all people, right? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is where we're reconciling people to God. 
through Jesus' death on the cross. That's the gift we're giving to people. And then we're teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded us. We're making disciples. We're apprenticing. That is, we're all learning together what does it mean to be a Jesus follower, to live as members of God's kingdom right here on earth. We're apprenticing. And then we're all going. Jesus sent his disciples, just like God said to Abram, I want you to go. Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to go to this picture of what does it mean to be a blessed community. It means we go. It means we are reconciled to God. It means we apprentice, learn to be Jesus followers. And then, very last page of the Bible. Very, very last page. We started on page 12. We dipped our toe in Matthew there, three quarters of the way through. And now the very last page of the Bible, Revelation, famously hard to interpret all that's going on. But the very last page of the Bible, here's the picture we get. God's new city has come down to earth. He's declaring he's making all things new. And here's what making all things new looks like. For, uh, Revelation 22, starting in verse 22. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the who? All the nations. Why all the nations? Because that's what God promised he would do through Abraham thousands and thousands of years earlier. My friends, let me ask you a question. Do you think the nations could use some healing right about now? Think Israel could use some healing right about now? Gaza could use some healing right about now? United States of America, could we use some healing right about now? All people's blessed. It's what God promised. He fulfills it in Jesus. It's delivered by the church. The same God is faithful age to age in light of that covenant promise. It's, gonna, it's happening right now in real time through Chatham Community Church. It will happen one day for all nations for all time. Let's close with today's Wildly important take-homes. First thing I want to know is this note, God's faithfulness to the all people's blessed covenant is the plot line that drives all the scripture and it's what you and I, we are living out of as a church and as individuals. This is who we are. This is what we're here to do. Receive the blessing, be instruments of that blessing. This is the plot line. This is, what's good. This is the organizing principle for your Old Testament closet, okay? This is the organizing principle for your Old Testament closet. This is exactly what God's trying to do throughout the Old Testament and it's what he's inviting us into as a church. Next, our participation in God's redemption often starts with a call to leave the familiar and to go into the unknown. Is that, on, is that on for you right now? Are you feeling that call? You feeling the tap on the shoulder? Get baptized. Step into a problem. Have a burden for a place or an issue in our world that is just, you know, it's like it's not going away. It keeps coming up over and over and over again. Is there something that God's nudging you to step into? To step into something that you're like, and you're a little scared, and that makes sense because you don't know. But man, it started that way with Abram. It went, went that way to the disciples. It's gone that way, gone down that way for Christians for centuries and centuries. Next, we have to do the ongoing work of confession, repentance, and resisting cursing rather than blessing. We'll let God take care of that in order for us to be the conduit for that all people's blessed kind of work. So I want to invite you here today, not out of shame or out of guilt, but just because you're human, to do that work on the regular. Just start today. Hey, is there, is there work that you need to do to be set free so that you are a blessing and not a curse to other people? And then finally, we participate in the all people's blessed covenants fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That is reconciliation with God, baptism, right? We reconcile people to God. We apprentice under Jesus. We follow him. We learn from him. We learn what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus. And then we go, just like Abram went, just like Abraham went. And that go could mean just to your neighborhood or to your school. Or it could mean God saying, I want you to go out there somewhere crazy. But we're always people who are sent ones. What does it mean for you to do that? To be an instrument of God's grace and mercy and of that blessing wherever God has put you. My friends, my hope and my prayer 
is that we would be captured by the idea that you are grafted into the blessing, that you would receive that, and that you would walk that, that you would be instruments of that wherever God has sent you. That same God who's faithful age to age walks with you, walks with us here and now today. May we have hearts that are open to receive the grace he wants to pour into us and through us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for being faithful age to age. I pray for my friends who are here today who struggle to believe that because their own lives feel like it's messy and hard and challenging. Lord God, would you speak the good news of your faithfulness? Lord, would we have a picture of you uh, as angry uh, or where God the Father is angry but Jesus is nice and the Old Testament God is mean? Lord, would you replace that with this picture of the God who from the beginning says, I'm going to bless the world through you. Lord, thank you for putting on flesh, fulfilling that covenant, fulfilling that promise, for being the son of Abraham who delivers on the perfect fulfillment of that covenant. And then, Father, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on your church? Would we be people who are jumping in to the flow of blessing that goes on from age to age, century to century, Jesus' people that poured out blessing into the world. Would we be instruments of that grace, of that blessing? And Lord, for my friends who are here who need to make a decision to be reconciled to you, to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to enter in to that beautiful exchange, Lord, would you give them courage to step into it? If there's other calls, other things going on in the world, other things you're putting on our hearts, would we be bold to step into the unknown and to take the risk? Good Father, we bless you and we praise you Thank you that you're a covenant-making God and that you keep your promises. Would we walk in light of those promises boldly, humbly, and courageously, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.